Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us. This interview today right now is with Steve Masiello from Compass International Advisors. We're really excited to have him here. Uh, he has an incredible track record, has raised over $40 billion in capital. Uh, and he's going to share some of those insights with us today into how he's done that in his career and you know, a little bit about today's times uh, and, and what, to, what to do the right way. Uh, given the different circumstances that uh, that we face today. So, Steve, thanks for being here with us today. Sure. Sure, happy to be here. Thanks, Andres. Uh, Steve, so I'll just start off asking a little bit on your background and, and what led to $40 billion in raised capital and uh, and to Compass International Advisor success. Uh, some gray hairs and a few scars over the years. That's what... Uh, that's how you get it. So in my career, I've been in the capital raising, uh, institutional capital, both... Um, uh, on the traditional and on the, on the alternative side. Uh, early in my career um, was at a startup where we went from zero to two billion in a couple of years and had a great run literally right out of college. Um, and then at another institutional public security, you know, large cap growth and value firm uh, in Boston that we grew from, when I got there it was about a half a billion, grew it to about 5 billion uh, and then sold it. And then went into the alternative space about 15 years ago. And we've done everything up and down the capital structure from venture to growth equity, to buyout, to credit, infrastructure, real estate. And, um, you know, that 40 billion is not all me. Um, if it was, I'd probably be on an island somewhere. But uh, that's from the collective raise that we've done for our clients and have had some terrific GPs, Oak Tree, a couple of deals with Howard Marks. We took Jeff Gunlack when he came out of TCW to help him start Double Line. Uh, years ago, we raised the largest debut credit fund, a MES fund ever. Um, so we've been fortunate to work with great GPs and high quality firms. Uh, we've also raised capital for individual companies. Um, so where Compass is um, based in Boston, office in New York, and a few of them around the country, quite frankly, we cover North America with our team on internal, and then we partner with other placement agents around the globe to scale up or down for various raises, either in, for individual companies or for large, um, for large plans and funds. Excellent. And how big is the Compass International team now? So our internal team is about nine, but around the globe, we have over 60 folks that we work with. So we can cover every geographic area, every marketplace in the world. And $40 billion in capital. Uh, you said you have been very lucky to be around and to have great GPs. Uh, so uh, my question is how much, at least let's say within the past five to 10 years, was new capital versus capital that came in from existing clients and partners that you've already had um, you know, over the course of many decades? Great question. So we do have some very long standing relationships with, with our clients. Um, you know, our real estate fund that we work with, we've, we've been working with them for 15, 16 years now. Um, uh, most of our assignments, quite frankly, are for one or two funds. We kind of raise the capital and then they don't need us anymore. We kind of move on to different deals. So um, a lot of our clients are, you know, new over the last three years. Great. A lot of your clients are new over the past three years. Uh, so on top of having a track record, longevity, uh, what do you think allows your team to successfully onboard new clients in the past three years? Yeah, good question. So we, we've 
won a couple of very large mandates, interviewed literally 38 placement agents around the world, um, narrowed it down to 15. I've never had an RFP before, but we had a very extensive RFP process and interviews for you know, several months. We were able to win that um, you know, over a lot of other larger, quite frankly, uh, firms. And we were told um, it was specific to an asset class that we actually kind of do very well in, but also um, our team is built a little bit differently. We have very senior professionals who have an average of about 26, 27 years in the business. We don't really have, so, so we're able to overcome objections on phones. We all have great educational backgrounds and have been in this business a while. So um, that tends to, um, lead to higher success rate for our GP. So that senior team was a big differentiator. Got it, having that senior team, people with experience, uh, the RFPs, uh, and when it comes to seeking the right placement agents, how, how do you guys go about doing that? Yeah, so um, again, you know, as good as we think we are, we're only as good as the GP we're representing. So we looked at 189 deals last year, we took two. So we're super picky on who we work with. Um, and that's on the fun side. We did take on a few more than that on direct deal side. So individual companies that needed a raise. Um, so we're super picky um, on who we work with and make sure that um, after talking to a lot of our LPs and folks in the market, what they're looking for, that um, you know, on a macro level, I do a lot of kind of macro thinking on what the market looks like, who is in favor, and really just listening for the feedback from the from our clients to say, "Gee, Steve, we need infrastructure this year, or we need something in credit." And then um, we do do some outreach. We get a lot of inbound calls, but when we're really looking for a specific asset, asset class, we'll do outreach. And you know, we got some good ink. Um, uh, I founded uh, Compass four years ago. The first three years, we were frequent top 25 global placement agent. So that put us you know, on the map immediately and got us some good press. Um, but also, uh, I don't know what 2020, 20, I'm not sure they're ranking them just because it was an off year for everybody. We haven't seen those results yet, but, um, but that, that's helped us a lot. And would you say that, you know, kind of speaking about that good press, uh, is that, something that you and your team actively seek or is it something that just kind of comes about from from you know being being good at what you do yeah we're we we avoid the press to be quite honest so we're asked to do interviews and other things you know we have uh one of our one of my partners is was on cnbc in his prior life at another firm kind of shy away from that um you know if i think folks get to know us based on our reputation and Thank goodness, knock on wood, we've never really had to advertise for who we are. And how about things like uh, events, conferences, uh, summits? Right. You know, is that something that you and your team utilize in order to expand the network? Or is it just strictly, you know, working the current relationships and hoping to get some introductions? Yeah, Andres, aside from, you know, I, I was fortunate to speak at your conference in New York a few years ago. I really enjoyed that experience. I do get a lot of offers to, to speak and go to conferences. Um, you know, some, a few guys on our team do, I usually don't, um, but this has always been a great um, resource for our firm as well. Um, met a lot of great folks through your, through your organization. So we appreciate that as well. So it is part of our outreach, um, not a huge part. And, you know, through COVID um, we've really, you know, haven't done a lot of travel at all. 
Great. And uh, I definitely want to touch up on the topic of COVID um, and what's changed for your firm. But I do want to backtrack a little bit and kind of talk to the audience members right now that haven't been in the business that long, hope to eventually have a track record and a success rate like Compass International and yourself. Um, what would you do if you were starting, you know, year one or year two to mm. get to the results that you have today? That's a great question. And one that um, uh, I would probably try and get experience at a good firm um, where you get good work habits, you're, you're trained the right way, you, um, you know, you learn the business. Uh, it may not be a glamorous start, but doing some of the basics. We have a great internship program where so, a lot of our interns go from, you know, working with us in college to actually being employed with us. And, um, you know, right now we, we kind of climb up the ladder from, um, you know, some, some admin and learning the business to selling or going on some, some side of our, our operation. So I suggest that for everybody. It's hard to learn on your own. Um, you know, I learned from some of the best and some of my best friends even today that I learned when I got out of college from. So I was very fortunate that way. And someone, let's say they do then decide to start at a firm, when would they transition and really start to kind of expand on their own? Yeah, you know, I think that's an individual thing. It takes a lot as kind of a serial entrepreneur. It takes it takes a lot to go to that edge of the building and jump. Um, and I think that's something you either have in your gut or you don't, and you'll know when you're ready. You know, I uh, you know, for me, um, it was um, my late my my late thirties, mid to late thirties, that I started my first firm. Got it. And, and was that a, was that a scary jump? <laughs> uh, three young kids. I just built a new house and um, I was a senior partner at a firm that was, you know, doing extremely well. So um, yes, but when you have the faith in yourself and you know, the business, uh, when I look back, um, you know, to me, the fear was staying. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great insight. Thank you. Uh, so let's move on to the topic of, of, of the pandemic and, and kind of mm -hmm. how that's changed things. Did that change a lot of things for you last year? Uh, since, you know, maybe you guys don't attend that many events and obviously COVID definitely restricted more travel. Was it a, was it a change in, in the work environment for you and your team? A hundred percent. So we had a couple of GPs. We're ready for first close. We were in the market with them for about a year. It was a large first close, and we were planning for March 15th. COVID hit. We had to, you know, literally get off the road and stop marketing. They ended up being, it was a very large, well-known uh, group of uh, individuals um, from Wall Street in Washington. We got off the road. Uh, they stopped fundraising, and they actually raised a SPAC. So, um, you know, we had to pivot in our business from really being a lot of what we're doing is outreach and we're on the road a lot and to not have the ability to travel. And if everybody remembers, it wasn't that long ago, but there was complete panic and pandemonium in the market. The equity markets were tanking, you know, private equity had dried up. We weren't sure what people were gonna pay for a deal. So um, it was a scary time for sure. And even for our firm, but we pivoted, we did more direct deals. For, the, for those three or four months, March, April, May, there were still companies that needed to be sold. And we finished that process with a few of the firms. And, um, you know, 
that one client, large client that did the SPAC, we replaced with a trillion dollar, you know, insurance company. So we were very fortunate to, um, we feel upgrade tremendously. And you pivoted more towards direct deals. Were there any particular industries or asset classes that you thought were better due to the market changes? Right. Uh, there were a few that we thought were better than market changes, but the market didn't always agree with us. So, um, you know, a few folks still wanted to sell their company through that out of fear. If they waited a few more months, I think they could have gotten a better multiple. But, um, you know, they took the risk off the table for them. And I think that was a healthy decision from where they were as a family. Um, healthcare continues to be strong. You know, some manufacturing continues to be strong in certain pockets for sure. Um, and technology continues to roar. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so in terms of setting the meetings, um, you know, in, in this world, people love that face to face interaction, that being more limited. Uh, the, what was the strategy behind making those meetings happen? Well, this is one of them, right? I think I would have been at your conference, you're giving this speech, but we can do it on Zoom. We do, you know, in the US, it's okay. What we found in the market um, was that many of the, um, uh, you know, the numbers are way down. Even some of the larger funds, their assets that they thought they were going to garner just aren't there. Um, so we are doing a lot of Zoom. We do have a, a client, a GP, one of the best funds in Europe uh, for equity, that um, it's a little bit different in the U.S. because they really can't travel there. And it, it's uh, a lot of first I guess I'll say it this way. It's a lot easier to re-up right now for a client uh, in a fund they've already been with. And a lot of folks are doing that. If you're going to find another fund, it's probably somewhere in the US that you can diligence easily, whether through Zoom or other folks you know. But traveling to Europe, a lot of folks feel like an onsite is, is important and necessary is just out of the question. We actually, we actually stopped fundraising for them for a little while. But in the US, you know, listen, People have to allocate after that fear, initial fear of COVID in the first three months of this happening. People realize that this is a very interesting way to do business and one that means less travel and less uh, travel and expenses. And yeah, absolutely. Less travel, less expenses, um, opportunity to do more meetings. Um, right. it's, uh, an opportunity to, yeah, fly less, be with mm -hmm. your family and your loved ones more. Um, and I think that at first, a lot of people were a little nervous of that. And then they kind of realized like, okay, this is maybe a little nicer than being on a flight every single week, <laughs> you know? Um, new, new way of doing business. And I think this is going to stick for most. Even some of my best clients are saying, we used to meet quarterly. Now they're saying maybe once a year for an annual meeting when this is over. So, and that brings me kind of to my next question. You know, obviously, like you said, it's... Uh, many of these changes will probably be permanent. Um, what do you anticipate for this year? So, um, you know, we're off to a really good start for a couple of our clients in fundraising. So, um, you know, we're getting deals done uh, without meetings. We're doing a lot of this. We do have some scheduled. Um, people feel that sometime later, you know, later in the first half of this year, uh, that they'll be able to at least travel and meet some people. But if not, they have capital that they need to deploy and commit to. So um, we have some good options for them for that. 
Got it. And in terms of uh, sticking on the route of, of focusing more on direct deals right now for this year? Yeah. So um, we, I, th- I would have to say that 2020 was definitely that way. 2021, it will not be. You know, we have a couple of very large multi-billion dollar fundraisers that we kicked off and have some great exposure to, you know, uh, some clarity on first close and some big, big LPs that are looking to uh, invest. So I think those numbers will will come in significantly higher than 2020. Excellent. Well, that uh, that that gets us to that 15 minute mark for this uh, flash interview for CapitalCon. Um, Steve, is there any final words you want to say? Or you- yeah, listen, I'm happy to be a resource to your organization, to any any of your participants that, you know, I don't know if you want to give them my contact information or how you do that, but I'm happy to answer any questions and help, um, you know, every anybody out around who's part of your organization. Yeah, absolutely. Our audience members, uh, you know, they're going to be watching this on uh, on Wova. It's a very interactive software, uh, so they'll have access to that. They can reach out to us and, act, and ask for your contact details. Uh, so not a problem at all. And thank you for, for being open to communicating with our audience. Uh, Steve, thank you again. Yeah, thanks. Nice to meet you. And successful rest of your year. Thanks and so much. Uh, we hope to see you back on an event soon.